All right, ladies and gentlemen, Go Be Great, Episode 7, presented to you guys by Hardo Sports. We're back. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, I knew I said I was going to put out uh, Episode 7 with just my final, uh, my national championship game review and, and reaction by itself. But as you guys know, 72-69, Kansas wins the game after North Carolina was up by 15 at half. So I spent a lot of Monday night being a little bit upset for my team and, you know, the emotions around losing it that way. Um, I also was out yesterday at the Sacred Heart baseball game, so kind of took a chunk of my day out where I would have been preparing um, for the rest of the episode. So today is Wednesday, April 6th. So we have the Masters starting tomorrow. We have the NBA season wrapping up, and I'm going to get into the Lakers and how they missed the 2022 NBA playoffs um, later in the episode, as well as um, I'm going to predict all 30 MLB teams' records, which obviously that will have division winners. Um, I'm going to choose my two World Series teams, as well as the MVP, the Cy Young, the Rookie of the Year, and the Manager of the Year on in both conferences' sides. So you've got a lot on the slate, folks. And without further ado, let's just get right into it. So Monday night, North Carolina versus Kansas for the national championship after Kansas took care of Villanova by a score of 81-65 and North Carolina beat Duke. 8177. Um I have a lot of thoughts about the game, folks. It was it was a tough tough second half for for any North Carolina fan. Um because at the end of the day, yeah, as a fan you want to win, but you know, just based on the run that this team had and all of the the great feelings and and you know, close games that they had that they won at the end of the season. You felt like they maybe had one more in them, even after, you know, Kansas made that big run to start the second half. But so we start out the game, um, seven nothing in turn, you know, in favor of Kansas, and you know it was a hot start for Kansas. But North Carolina played with them early. Um, Brady Manick knocked down a couple threes after being hit in the face multiple times. Um, and then all of a sudden at 22-22, we have a TV timeout where Tracy Wolfson is interviewing Hubert Davis. And he said there's a lot of live action going out there. And all of a sudden, he brought his intensity from the interview into his team's um, timeout huddle. And after that, we went on a big run to end half. I believe it was um, 15 or 16 to 1. Um, or 16 to three, 17 to three, something, something around there where we gained 14 points on them, um, and went into the half up 15, 40 to 25. Um, not gonna lie, at half, not that I thought, um, it was over by any means because Kansas has shown and showed one more time their ability to make big runs. Um, you know, it was all tournament long where they were down six 
to Miami in the Elite Eight game. They won that game by 30. Um, you had um, a couple of other, you know, you had Providence where they came out on a big run in the first half and then not so much in the second half. So they've been a team that has shown they can come back in games and make runs themselves. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking to myself sitting there, like, we have this game, but it's not going to be easy going forward. Like, they're, they're going to make this a little bit close here. Um, and, you know, we give up eight points in, within the first media timeout. So it goes from 40 to 25 to, I believe, 40 to 33 after after a made free throw. And that's that was or it was 45-37. So we we had a few points but but they they came out hot. Um And that's where that's where the more experienced team had and the older team, you know, our team although not really any freshmen, um we did have a bunch of sophomores out there, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, um, especially those guys primarily handling the basketball. And we also were not the deeper team of the two, you know. Our trust circle on the bench was just Puff Johnson, I think, and um you know, for them they had a couple of different guys coming in and out. You had Remy Martin off the bench. Uh, you had Mitch Lightfoot and David McCormick toggling on and off throughout the second half. Um, meanwhile, our big man is battling one one ankle. Um, and he looked pretty good, Baycott, before he re-injured it at the end of the game. But um, it took a lot for Carolina to blow that lead. Um, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to Kansas because – they came out with a great plan for the second half, um, and they they took a decent chunk out of our lead in four minutes um, before you know the under sixteen timeout where Brady Manning tried to take a charge, and he uh, was in the restricted area. So, um, then the last ten minutes of the game, you know, we were we were in it. We never never really let it get away from us there was one point i think where it was 57 to 50 in ter- um in favor of kansas and i thought to myself man we're about to get blown out here and rj davis made two jumpers and you know put us right back in it we were fine we stayed in a two-point game basically the whole way down the stretch um but at the end of the day our offense stopped moving we were just dribbling at the top of the key and, you know, out in, in no man's land, not moving the ball. Brady Manick wasn't moving, and I know that he got hurt. So you can't really blame him for – you can't really blame any Carolina player. The, you know, this is the way I look at it. It was um, an amazing run to get there, and the better team of the two won. And we made our best run at it. You know, we came out so hot, and – Unfortunately, it just wasn't our day in terms of the offensive side, and you matched it with a bad offensive day with the Kansas pressure in the second half. So we started turning it over a little bit as well. 
Um, Caleb Love shoots five for 24, and I'm sure that this game will live with him forever because um, there, you know, there was definitely some defensive pressure on him, but it's not like he didn't get his open looks, especially going to the basket where he just was a little bit off, a little bit too strong. Um, it was just tough to see for him because, you know, if he was, you know, even if he shot 33%, even if he makes two more shots in that game, like we, we win the game, even if he just makes that one shot at the end of regulation uh, to tie the game, you know, who knows what happens in, in overtime. So um, a tough way to go down, you know, uh, I think about one one massive play, I think, uh, was, you know, we get the ball underneath the basket with six seconds. And, um, you know, first of all, I'm missing the part where Caleb Love is injured with 13 minutes left. And all of a sudden, after the under 12 timeout is fine again. But we turned our angle in the same spot three times, uh, Baycott under the basket on the right side, Brady Manick under the basket on the right side, as well as Caleb Love. Um, I I think that's because of the way that the core is set up. They have it kind of like on a on a platform, which I, doesn't really make much sense to me. I think the ground is fine. Um, you know, you just put put a cover on the turf and, and put it right down there. I, I, I don't understand why that that was the way it was because that clearly caused some injuries for us. Um, you know, I saw a video of where Armando Baycock goes down with 30 seconds left as he's going to the basket with the ball and the court underneath him moves. Um, you know, so that's not a good look for the NCAA. I'm not blaming that on why we lost at all. The reason we lost is because Kansas came out with their hair on fire in the second half. Um, everybody contributed, you know, it wasn't just one guy. Uh, if you told me for us, you know, if, if Agbaji hat was going to have under 15 points, um, while Leaky black missed most of the second half with foul trouble, I would have told you we won the game. Um, but between Christian Brown uh, the clutchness of David McCormick down the stretch with two big, big uh, floaters or, or hook shots. Um, you know, we had Remy Martin after a tough first half for him, hit three threes in the end of the game, two from the corner and a, a step back uh, dagger. I don't want to say dagger because it didn't, um, didn't end the game for us, but just a, a swag step back three that was just all confidence. He knew it was going in from the minute that he released it. And um, it was just tough. We had the ball into the basket with six seconds. You know, we've had problems with Leaky Black inbounding the ball all season, but we put him there again. Um, and we get it to Armando Baycott at the three-point line. So naturally he has to now take that thing in and try to get a layup. And he was making a good move. I thought, you know, he, he said after the game, he thought he had a good angle. I, I thought the same thing. I thought he was going to get one on, up and under McCormick. Um, but that's not the way it went. Um, and then, so we foul, you know, they get there. We're down three now. Um, 
we get two shots at it. Uh, a deep, deep three with no movement from Caleb Love. You know, it was just kind of the, you know, the story of the game right there. Like we were relying on our best offensive guy to do what he was doing all tournament. And, to, and that night was the night that nothing went down. Um, you know, four of 12 in the first half and then one of 12 in the second half, uh, pretty tough. And I know that he'll, he'll think about that one for a long time, especially if that was the last time that he's going to put on the Carolina uniform. Um, so all around a tough way to lose, you know, we had the ball go out of bounds with, you know, when we're down three and we get another chance at it after two mysteries from Caleb Love and, and Puff. And then the third time, our third chance, we, we throw it out of bounds. Um, you know, Brady Manick never really had it secure in his hands and it kind of just slipped out a little bit. Um, and then we're calling our play for Brady Manick after the ball goes out of bounds. Uh, he slips in the same spot. We've already slipped twice or three times. If you want to count Baycott's injury in the final four, cause we were going the same way and he turned it over there as well. in this, in you know, basically the same spot. Um, and so the ball ends up going to Caleb Love. We miss the three and the Jayhawks are the champions. So only thing that you can talk about from here, you know, it was a great season for Kansas. And then in terms of, you know, how I'll look at it is from North Carolina, you know, Brady Manick, that was his last game. He has no more NCAA eligibility. So he'll be, you know, I'm sure he graduated from Oklahoma, but he'll be going to the NBA draft. Uh, I've seen him projected for the second round. And then it's really just a, it's a question of what, what happens to the rest of the team. Um, two of our guys are being projected in the second round as well. Caleb Love and Baycott. So it'll be interesting to see what those guys want to do. Um, I, I, I would like to think that at least one of them comes back. And, and if I had to take my chance out of, you know, if I had to take my guess of which one of the two would be, it would be, it would be Armando Baycott. Um, We'll see what happens. You know, Caleb Love, maybe maybe the draft scouts are watching that game and, you know, that, that lowers his stock and he ends up coming back another year. I'd absolutely love for him to come back another year, but if he decides what's best for him is to go to the NBA draft, um, you know, that's... That's uh that's his choice and I'll as a as a Carolina fan would would support that 100%. Um you know we might be in a little bit of a more tough spot next year without him, but um like I said what he thinks is better for him is better for him. So um it was great to see Puff Johnson get a get a nice spotlight there in the second half. Uh we really needed him with Leaky Black going out of foul trouble and um he had a couple big three, you know, he had a big three, a couple big layups, contested layups. You know, he wasn't just getting backdoor cuts because no one, he did have one backdoor cut because no one was guarding him. But after that, uh, laid one up on McCormick, hit a three, and then unfortunately was hit in the stomach 
and um, ended up throwing up on the court, basically, which was absurd. You know, the way the game was going, we already had Manic with what should have caused a concussion. Um, Caleb Love turned his ankle in the middle of the court, just running down the court um, with 13 minutes left. And Armando Baycott then at the end of the game. So it was a lot. Um, you know, that's how, that's why I think between the way the game ended, you know, that whole big second half Kansas run, well, four threes that we had at the end of the game to, to have a chance. Um, Baycott, you know, who knows what would have happened at the end of the game if he's defending McCormick instead of Brady Manick. But, you know, unfortunately we can't live in a world of what ifs, you know, we have to deal with what happened and, uh, it was a great run for Hubert Davis in his first year as a head coach. And, you know, the last time that there was this much pride in Carolina basketball was the year that we went to uh, to the Final Four and lost to Villanova. And, you know, the next year, even though they did lose some guys to the NBA draft, like Bryce Johnson, um, we came back, and Marcus Page, who was a senior at the time, um, we came back the next year with Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, and the boys, Kennedy Meeks, um, you know Justin Jackson, Isaiah Hicks, and we won the championship the next year. So, not saying that this is a very early prediction for the Tar Heels to to cut down the nets in 2023, but I've seen it before, um, and you know we'll see we'll see who comes back. Uh, definitely, I would think R.J. Davis will be back. Um, had a great year this year and had a great game. You know, he, I think he pulled down 10 rebounds in the, uh, in the game on Monday night. So um, he'll be great to have back. It'll be great to have Puff Johnson in an expanded role. Um, and then we'll see what happens with Caleb and Armando. So uh, I want to get into the Lakers next and stay with basketball, but move to the professional level because um the Los Angeles Lakers have been eliminated from contention of the NBA playoffs. They're they're not even in the play-in game um, with just a few games left to go. The last regular season games will be played on Sunday. So um, I saw a lot of people trolling on, on the internet today, and I guess rightfully so, right? Um, before the season, LeBron tweeted himself that, you know, a lot of people would talk about the Lakers roster and, you know, have their questions and their doubts, which people did from the beginning of the year um, and that they would prove them wrong. And unfortunately for LeBron, he was wrong. Uh, they did not prove them wrong. Um, you know, one one question was how the older guys would stay healthy and um, play defense. And I will tell you, even as a fan of LeBron, um, LeBron was not involved on the defensive end too much. Um, neither was Carmelo Anthony, and I know he was only really coming off the bench, but um, you know it also didn't help Anthony Davis didn't stay healthy, but that was something you knew about Anthony Davis before the year started. Um, and, you know, just after that, uh, the roster wasn't too deep. You know, we knew that going in, and we thought LeBron would be able – personally, I thought LeBron would be able to carry, and 
I, I think he did. You know, he didn't average 30 points um, for no reason. Like, he, he still had an amazing season, but um, he he didn't have as much help, I don't think. Um, you know, if you just look at games down the year, Russell Westbrook wasn't having a great shooting season. Um, you know, he, he still looked like the same athlete, but uh, not as much of a threat from the mid-range. And, you know, you could kind of sag off him and wait from the drive to the basket, which which really helped defenders on him this year. Um, it was just an overall tough year for them. And it's tough as a LeBron fan now that he'll get trolled for, you know, the next couple of months and, He's already has his his uh his show the shop is coming out um April eighth so Friday and he already has one quote where he's you know it's between him talking about wanting to play with Bronny once again you know this has been a story now for like it feels the whole season um that one player he'd like to play with uh you know at some point in the rest of his career would be Steph Curry. So LeBron making a lot of headlines, you know, not not what you want from the GOAT, but, um, you know, to put that type of responsibility on his shoulders, I think at 37, to, to carry a roster into the playoffs and then go God mode, you know, 2016 style. Um, and I, I just don't think he can do that anymore. Um, you know, he can go get his buckets. There's no no question about that. Um, you also have to worry about his health a little bit there. You know, he missed a couple of games with, you know, he had a sprained ankle here down the stretch and actually missed, you know, the last couple of games where they would have had to win out just to make into the, to the playing tournament. He missed those games with a sprained ankle. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Lakers going forward, because, you know, either they're going to have to get rid of Anthony Davis because he just doesn't play enough basketball games and and it's a waste of their money for him to be, you know, playing half the season and getting hurt half the season. Um, but I think it's more likely that LeBron has played his last game in, in Los Angeles and I, I don't know exactly how it's going to work based on his schedule or based on his contract, excuse me. Um, but it just seems between uh, Frank Vogel be fired after the year. And, you know, I, I think LeBron, it sounds like he wanted DeMar DeRozan on the Lakers roster instead of, instead of some other players that were added, such as Russell Westbrook. Um, and I'm not sure that would have helped much. And, you know, they would have made the playoffs maybe. And, you know, once LeBron makes the playoffs, I guess, you know, he has a chance in any season, but, I don't think it would have done much uh, for them. You know, he would have scored more more efficiently, but they still would have had defensive problems. They still would have had rebounding problems. So, um, I guess next episode I'm going to have to talk about the NBA playoffs because they will be either underway or just starting uh, uh, the next Thursday. I think it is April 15th or 16th. So, have to talk about that you know the NBA I think is the perfect league that you can just kind of ghost follow 
the whole regular season and not really miss much and just, you know, figure out, okay, well, this is the best team. Now you have to play them five or seven times. Um, so it's easy to figure out their playoffs, I feel like, and it's still entertaining because, you know, you have an entertaining season based on the three-point shooters or, you know, the top couple guys who just can take over games such as Giannis and uh, Jason Tatum and, you know, plenty of other guys. But um, you don't necessarily need to be tuned in to the day-by-day stuff and even you know, regular season games, not all of them are, are that great. Either, you know, between blowouts or no defense or, you know, in the last month there's been college basketball on. And, you know, before that they have, they're competing with the entire NFL season from from October on. So uh, it's perfect because they get their, their two months of shine here you know, in the, in the playoffs and the finals while MLB is just starting out. So um, tough for the Lakers to not make it because LeBron in the playoffs is better for the league, whether the fans want to admit that or not. Um, And so I guess we'll move forward. Uh, Like I mentioned, we'll, we'll go over the NBA playoffs next episode um, because I think that will probably be the only topic to talk about outside of maybe recapping the masters bit, you know, at least if tiger does well, there'll be more reason to talk about it. So um, recapping the masters and then just anything big happening in the early week of the MLB season, because we'll only be like four games in. So not that much news, but you know, I'll probably have something to say about the Yankees opening weekend series which will start friday now after a rain cancellation um for tomorrow afternoon so it'll be nba playoffs next episode on go be great eight um and let's move on to the masters so by the time you guys hear this it'll probably be thursday already so uh i kind of dropped the ball in terms of this segment because I was going to give out a couple of winners um, in terms of like just at the end of the tournament who I like. Um, Golf has a really good um, gambling attraction um, because, you know, you can get tuned in if you're a real fan of golf for the whole tournament, especially this weekend with with it being at Augusta, but you know, between gambling on the matchups and then gambling on first round leaders and, you know, you can take your shot with, with a guy before the tournament starts, but you still get pretty good odds on a guy after two rounds or even, you know, three rounds, depending on what the, what the top of the leaderboard looks like. Um, so this is the best weekend, I think in terms of the golf season. Um, and it's especially like that this year because Tiger is making his return after a crash going to the, or returning home from the Genesis um, just 14 months ago. And it was, you know, a question whether he would, whether he'd play ever again. Um, and he's back. Um, he played nine today on Wednesday and walked it, I think. So, 
we'll see how his leg ha- handles it. Um, you know, there is some terrain at Augusta, a lot of uphill holes, but there are a few downhill spots as well. So we'll, we'll just have to see how he responds after, after Thursday. Um, you know, he's made the cut, I think every single time he's ever played there. So all you have to hope is that he makes the cut and plays the whole weekend, I think, because if, you know, if he, if he is pushing it for us, you know, for the fans of, of the sport and, you know, he then can't, can't finish and retires after a round or two rounds. Um, that'll be pretty sad and you know, not even just for us, but, I'll feel bad for him because, you know, that means he's still a ways away and tried to push it for just for this. And he'll be upset. You know, people will be upset. But um, I really hope that that he's playing. And if, you know, if he plays well, that he plays the four days and um, that his leg holds up for for the walking, um, because that probably will be the toughest part for him. You know, the golf. Um, it changes because he he doesn't hit the ball as far anymore, and um, but the wedges will always stay the same. The putting, for the most part, always stay the same. So he's just gonna have to cater to his new game a little bit, and I'm sure that he's very crisp with with the wedges in hand and and the putter. So if he is, um, he has a good chance. He has as good a chance of any person. Uh, to put on the green jacket. I know it sounds crazy, but you know there's no one with more experience at this tournament um, than him, and it would be awesome just to see him. You know, be be in the running. Uh, he tees off Thursday at 10:34, so if, I'm I'm sure that ESPN Plus, if you guys pay for that, it's great for the PGA season. Um, I'm sure that they will have him and his group as the featured group uh, because he plays with Justin Thomas as well. Um, and, and, and they also have Joaquin Neiman and uh, Louis. I'm not even going to try it. Louis O. We'll just say Louis O. Um, so they tee off at 1034 tomorrow at Augusta. Um, I think this is such a cool, you know, it's the course, obviously. Um, and the history at the course is unmatched. And then, uh, I like, I really like the dinner, the, you know, either the night or two nights beforehand where the previous winner gets to choose the menu. I think that's a really great tradition. Um, and I'm sure that the guys really enjoy that, especially, you know, you're in the, in the building with some, some legends and, um, I think that's a really cool thing that maybe some other tournaments might, might want to adopt. I said I was going to give winners and I guess I will, you know, even though you'll still have a good chance to get them at value, even, you know, if it's mid round tomorrow or, or after the round tomorrow. Um, I really like Justin Thomas. Uh, I think playing with tiger tomorrow will really, really do something for both of them. I think they're both good friends. Um, They'll make it competitive. And I think they won't be afraid to help each other out, even though I know they won't really talk like right before shots, but 
you know, while they're walking up and down the course, they'll be, they'll be chattering. They'll, you know, they'll help each other out. I think, um, play, play a good round on Thursday. And then I don't, I don't know if they repair every day or every two days, you know, after the cut. So if they play together again on Friday, that's two, two days of great friends playing with each other. I think that will benefit both of them. Um, I don't think JT has ever won at the Masters. Um, last year was Hideki Matsuyama. So um, my other choice, I think, you know, Tiger at forty-one to forty-eight to one is a is a a pretty good value, I think. But my other choice would be Scotty Scheffler. Um, Scotty's just been hot this entire entire season I think he has two wins already um and you know it doesn't never hurts to bet on the guy who's hot um so it should be an exciting week from Augusta um I will be tuned in tomorrow at 10 30 to uh to see the spectacle that is Tiger Woods um I'm sure that he will have the, the biggest draw you know of those guys that are teeing off around that time and even just in the morning in general, you know, by the time, uh, by the time they're finishing up, you know, the, the last rounds will be starting at two and they'll be probably walking off at three. So, you know, some of those afternoon guys won't have to worry about no one watching them because they'll be done watching tiger by then. and They'll be able to swing back to see them play like their last 14 or 15 holes. Um, but he will have everyone in Augusta following him. Um, it's going to be great to watch. I'm really excited. Um, and with the cancellation of the Yankees on Thursday afternoon from New York, I will be tuned in pretty much to, to Tiger's entire round. So I'm excited for that. Um, and speaking of baseball, let's just get right into it. Um, so we're one day away. I think there's still a couple of games that will will be played on Thursday, but the Yankees and the Red Sox won't be one of them. Um, the MLB has some rule changes that I don't know if I addressed um, the last episode that I talked about MLB for a little bit because I really only talked about the Yankees anyway. Um, so we have 28 men on the roster in April, which is a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the older fans of baseball are, are shaking their fists at this one because it's been 25 men on the roster for who knows how long. And they extended it to 26, uh, I think last year. And then this year it's going to be 28 in April because of the shortened spring. And then it'll go down to 26 on May 1st, which I kind of like that. Um, Universal DH, so so National League now has a DH. That's that's a pretty good rule, especially um, you think about a couple of teams that that operated perfectly in that sense of okay, now we have a DH. Let's get a guy that can that will basically do that for us a hundred ten or hundred twenty times out of the year. You know, you think about Luke Voigt and the Padres, Albert Pujols, and the Cardinals. So. Um, that's pretty exciting. Uh, we have the Shohei Otani rule. So um, 
After Shohei pitches, he will be allowed to stay in the game as the DH, which is awesome because last year the Angels would, if he was coming up and he couldn't make it through the last inning, you know, the last out or two outs of the inning, they would they would double switch him right into the outfield. He would go right into right field. Um, you basically hope that he doesn't get the ball hit to him so that he doesn't have to throw it in. But you know, he's a, he's a major league athlete. He would be fine if he had to throw it in, but you you don't want that anyway. Um, you're just putting him out there to get his last at bat before you have to switch someone else in there. Um, and so now you have to you have to think that he'll he'll hit in about 155, 158 games, um, which will be awesome for the game of baseball. Um, so I really like that rule. Uh, and then the only other two rule changes are that the Ghost Runner was going to be eliminated, but they brought it back for one more year. Um, and then doubleheaders return to nine innings no matter what, which is perfect. Um, I thought that that was the stupidest rule out of all the COVID rules. I just don't agree with a seven-inning game in, in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, in college, you play doubleheaders with seven innings I understand um actually I don't even think that that's true I think if they have a doubleheader they play two nines but I think in the major leagues there's no room for something like that so I'm glad that they changed that this year um all right so I have it in the scope of that I'm going to pick every team's record um so I'm going to go from fifth place in each division and ascend from there. Uh, I'm going to talk about each team a little bit, and then uh, I will give my reasoning behind why I have the number one team where they are as the division winner, and then we'll move straight down. So we'll start with the good old AL East. Um, In fifth place of the AL East, I have the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, with a projected record of 65 and 97. Um, My projections are merely just, uh, I really just looked at what the win totals in Vegas were, were projecting, looked at the rosters and the, and the rotations and whatever. Um, And then you also have to take into account what, what division they are in. Right. So like um, some of these teams are, are pretty good, but, they're playing in a division where they're, where it's so stacked, like like the AL East or the NL West, that their record is going to be a little bit lower than than what it should be based on what it is on paper. Um, so we have the Orioles at sixty five and ninety seven. Um, I really don't have much to say about the Orioles outside of Anthony Santander and Cedric Mullins are two. Uh, great young players that have been you know the Orioles most of their entire team uh, the last season Um, they also will bring up Adley Rutschman their number one pick from the 2019 draft Um, so he will be exciting to watch Um, they don't really have much else going for them Uh, it will be exciting to see Ruggie Odor uh, back in the division after a year with the New York Yankees um, and his beard will come back. That was a great beard when he was in Texas. So I'm excited to see that come back. Um, 
in fourth place of the AL East. I have the Boston Red Sox. Um, and that's not because I don't think they are a good team. Like I said, I think this division's pretty stacked with the other three teams. Um, and if you look at this lineup, the Red Sox lineup is really good. Um, you have Xander Bogarts, who's one of the league's best hitters. You have Rafael Devers, who could be in the MVP watch this year at third. Um, uh, Hernandez in center field full-time this year after they add Trevor Story to play second base. Um, you also have Verdugo in left, and Jackie Bradley Jr. has been traded for and, and added back to the Red Sox roster, one of the fan favorites in Boston. Um, so we'll see if he can earn his spot after the first month because, like I said, rosters go from 28 to 26. Um he might be on the outside looking in, depending on how many games they think J.D. Martinez can play in left. He will DH a lot, um, but the lineup's good. The problem is the rotation. You have James Paxson and Chris Sale on the IL to begin the year. Um, two guys who have been injury prone, you know, for the last couple of seasons. So, you know, they are projected to come back this year. Uh, Chris Sale, I believe, in June, and I'm not really sure about Paxton, but the rotation is Ovaldi and then Pavetta. You know, Pavetta will probably throw to like a 4-3, but uh, Red Sox fans will tell you that that's not a tremendous option to have um, as your number two. Um, and then from there, you know, you have um, you have Garrett Whitlock, um, and then it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough ask. I think of their rotation, you know, especially when you take into consideration that they were probably banking on Chris Sale being the one and Paxson being the three. Um, so I have them at 89 and 73. I think the lineup will produce runs. I think Ovaldi will win games, but then, you know, those other four starters, for the first, you know, month or two months before sale comes back. And then, you know, who even knows what type of condition he's in, you know, after this, he's been through a couple of injuries now with his arm in the last couple of seasons. Um, so I think that they'll, they'll hold their own, but 89 and 73 is what I have projected for them. Um, the next team I have will be third place in the AL East and that's the Blue Jays. Um, everyone is high on the Blue Jays. I'm not as high on the Blue Jays. Um, you know, their rotation is really good. Probably it's, it's definitely top five in baseball. I don't think it's one or two. No, it's, it's, it's either four or five, I think realistically. Um, but it's still very good. The, the lineup is up there with the best of them. Um, but their bullpen, I think was the problem last year. Uh, they couldn't, they couldn't finish games after, you know, a good start. They 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 really could not finish out games in the bullpen. They didn't really have one guy that they could really trust out there the entire season, and they did not really address that either, um, which I think is a, an interesting strategy. Um, the only thing that's going to stink with the Blue Jays this year is that they will be back at Rogers Center, which is a great stadium. But Canada, unfortunately, has different um, COVID policies than, than America does right now. 
And I believe that if you are unvaccinated, you can't even travel into Canada. Um, which unfortunately means that COVID will be another storyline in, in the season this year, which it has been for the last two seasons. And, you know, pandemic is now shifting out of, you know, our our uh, daily thoughts. And it's, it's almost over, if not over, at least in our country. But um, this will be a story because every time a team goes to, to, to Toronto, um, you'll be able to tell which players are unvaccinated because they won't even be with the team. They'll miss the three game series or four game series, whatever it is. And unfortunately for the, for the other three playoff teams in their division, that'll be a big home field advantage. I know that uh, Aaron judge is definitely not vaccinated uh, for the Yankees. So um, unless Canada changes that rule by the mid-year, which who knows, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Um, that'll be an advantage for them. But um, I'm not as high on the Blue Jays as everyone else is. I've seen a lot of people picking them to win the division. Um, and I think that there's two other teams that are better than them in, in the division. And so in second place, I have the Yankees. Um, you know, the Yankees they did make some some good additions you know having anthony rizzo for a full season will be beneficial um maybe they they've been right with kyle higashioka at catcher he seems like he's been hitting very well in spring training um you now it's taking definitely a big risk with him at the plate um because he doesn't have great splits in his career um does not hit righties well, but does hit lefties well. And it seems like they're they're going with him at the starter, but it does seem like the rotation is comfortable with him as the catcher, especially Garrett Cole. Um, and he is a step up defensively from Gary. Um, so that's good. It's interesting to see what's going to happen with, with the infield because I can... I can see where this is going. Like we we've been saying, Labor Torres is not playing shortstop this year. Um, but on opening day, like how are we gonna say DJ LeMay who's gonna sit the bench? Like how we're not gonna do that. We can't do that. Um, we're relying on him to be one of our best hitters because last year when he wasn't, our lineup was totally different. Um, he was the top hitter. I know it was a shortened season in 2020. Um, he was really great for us in 2019 too. And uh, the year that he didn't hit well was last year. It, it sounded like he had a core injury that was really clearly um, making him have a tough time at the plate. And he hit a lot better in spring this year. So now, you know, I was questioning the Donaldson move beforehand um, before I even, you know, factored that stuff in. Um, and now it'll be interesting because, you know, DJ would have had a spot at third for him after the geo trade locked up. Um, and then you can put Kiner Falefa at, at shortstop and Glaber at second, no problem. And that's your infield, you know, with, with guys rotating in as your bench players. Um, that's not what happened. So now, we have Donaldson, who will definitely start at third. Um, we have IKF, who will be our shortstop, but 
you know, we want to get DJ in and, you know, he can play first and you can DH Rizzo. But um, I think they want to try to DH Stanton a decent amount this season. I know that they'll play him in the field. They'll have no problem playing him in the field. But the only problem with that is that then the outfield is Joey Gallo and left, Judge in center, Stanton in right. Um, and I think they don't really want to put Judge out in center for whatever reason. Um, lineup is really good. Could be one of the best in baseball, depending on how Donaldson does and if we get some res- some resurgence from DJ and Glaber. Um, But the rotation is definitely a question. You know, we're relying on Luis Severino to be pretty much what he was when he when he left uh, the rotation with injury, which was a top five pitcher in the AL um, and our number two starter behind Garrett Cole. We're also relying on Nestor Cortez, who threw his career high in innings with 93 last year as our five starter. Um, you know, Jamison Talion coming off the ankle injury also slotted into our rotation. So we're banking on a lot of ifs, I think, in the rotation. Um, our bullpen was good last year, but we did have a problem with blowing games in the ninth. We didn't really add anything to our bullpen. Um, so it should be interesting to see. But like I said, I think the lineup is up there in the top top lineups in baseball. Um I'm a little concerned that there's no judge extension yet, but we'll see. You know, they do have a couple days here or really just 24 hours before the the season starts. So maybe they're talking about it right now and trying to get that out, but um, have them at 94 and 68. So that means that the final team left is Tampa. um, And I have them at 97 and 65. Um, Listen, this team's going to be good, folks. I know that every year on paper, you look at the Rays roster and think to yourself, all right, this could be the year that the Yankees get on top of the Rays and and win the division. Um, I thought that last year. And then the Rays came and won 100 games. Um, (laughs) So they do have a couple of injuries with their pitchers um, to start the season, but Clearly with the Rays, they have a system going where, you know, they just pull guys with good RPM and, you know, a bunch of different analytics that they look at and their rotation and opening system and all that stuff with the bullpen always goes well for them the last few years. So clearly they have something working and it happens in the field as well. Um, You know, their lineup is very good. Randy Rosarena in left field kills the, the entire division, but especially the Yankees. Um, Wander Franco after a great rookie season. Uh, you know, they're talking about this kid like he's a top five player in baseball. I think he's not there yet, but he definitely could be after one one amazing season this year. Um, they have a bunch of good players that, like I said, you don't really – take into account like okay this team is is going to be good because you know you haven't heard of the names that are 
that are out there in the pen for them or uh, that they're just, you know, guys that they scouted and like, okay, this guy could work well for us. You know, it's a good system they have going. Um, and they have the number of every team right now in the division. You know, I know that the Yankees don't have great luck against them the last couple of seasons. Um, and so I have the Rays there uh, as the division winner, 97 and 65. Um, so we'll move on to the Central. Uh, the Central fifth place team that I have is the Kansas City Royals. Um, I have them at 68 and 94. You know, the the Royals aren't that bad of a team this year. Um, they have a couple of exciting players, I think, you know, between Salvador Perez, um, Bobby Witt Jr., their, their top prospect is coming up to start the season in Kansas City as the third baseman. Uh, you have Whit Merrifield, who's one of the best uh, contact guys in baseball. Um, you know, you have Andrew Benintendi, who is a Golden Glove outfielder, um, as well as Michael Taylor. So this team is is not bad. You know, the the rotation's okay. They have Zach Greinke as their opening day starter, but this is going to be a good division. And I just think that they'll be a little bit overwhelmed in division play, especially with the White Sox. Um, so I'm going to pick them fifth with 68 and 94 as the record. Uh, fourth place is going to be the Minnesota Twins with a record of 75 and 87. Um, as I was starting the pot, it seems that the Twins are trying to make an addition of Chris Paddock. They're going to trade with the Padres for their their starter, Chris Paddock. So that'll be a good move for them. Um, they did add Carlos Correa to this team in the offseason, which I'm kind of glad that he went to Minnesota. Um, I didn't want him on the Yankees. And um, usually we have pretty good luck against the uh, against the Twins. Um, so I'm excited to see him out there in the middle of nowhere, you know, in a, in a division that'll be tough to win. Um, they do have a couple of good pieces with Byron Buxton and Max Kepler. Um, I, I'm a really big fan of Sonny Gray now that he's not a Yankee. Uh, when he was a Yankee, he, he definitely had problems with, with the spotlight, I think in, in 2017, didn't really have his best year. And then he, he went on to Cincinnati and, and kind of turned his career back to what he was in Oakland. And then, um, now he finds himself in Minnesota, um, especially a big fan after he went on the Ryan Rucco and CC Sabathia pod, um, right around when the Astros news with the cheating scandal came out. Uh, and I wish that he, he could come back and, and rewrite his story in New York because I know that there's a lot of guys out there who think he's a bum just based on his one bad year in, in New York. So um, the lineups are right. You know, you have, you have Polanco and you have Gary as a DH, so he could be coming for a better year than, than what he had last year or any year, you know, in the few years with the Yankees that he's had since since his rookie season. Um but I think 
There's two other good teams in this division that will also miss the playoffs, you know, and the Twins will will fight, you know, they'll have they'll have some good they'll have a they'll be in it for a bit, I guess. You know, I think the White Sox will pull away and I'll get into them in a second, but you know, these other three teams, the Guardians, the Twins and the Tigers, they all have some good pieces. That they're not they're not terrible teams, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna compete with the White Sox for the division. Uh but but they'll hold their own. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how how the twin season ends up, but I have them at seventy five and eighty seven in fourth place. Uh in third place at seventy nine and eighty three. I've got the Guardians. Um that that Guardians rotation, man. That that thing is serious. Um, you have Shane Bieber, you have Savali, um, you know, you've got Tristan McKenzie, you've got Cal Quantrill. That they've got a really good rotation. Um, the problem is going to be the lineup and getting run support for them. You know they do have Jose Ramirez, um, who extended his contract for five years and 125 million today, actually. So. Uh, congrats to him. Um, you have Bobby Bradley at first, who's a, an exciting young prospect, and they're going to be relying on him. Uh, you know, if they want to have a, a shot at the wild card this season, um, they're going to need basically Jose Ramirez MVP season, which he is capable of. But I think it's more likely that he comes in like fifth or sixth, and uh, you know, still hits like his two ninety and you know, 40 bombs, whatever it's going to be. He's going to have a, an amazing season. But um, once again, tough division, uh, tough. I, I, baseball is really in a good spot right now where, you know, there is one super team, but there's a bunch of good teams that can really compete with each other at the top in both leagues. Um and so you'll see a team like this with a really good rotation and not as good of a lineup just find themselves in the middle of the road. You know, I have them at 79 and 83. Um, but if they start to hit a little bit, you know, if Bobby Bradley comes up and, and makes a name for himself, um, they could find themselves above 500 and, and, you know, fighting for a wild card spot in the last week of the season, which, I think they would definitely sign up for. Um, you know, it's not often that Cleveland is is out of the playoff run. Usually that's their division, at least, you know, when I was growing up, that was their division. And now the White Sox have kind of made it their own the last couple of seasons. So um, I'm excited for the Guardians. Uh, I really do like Jose Ramirez. And uh, we'll move on to the Tigers, who I have at 84 and 78. Um, this is a really good team. I wish I could make them a little bit better um, and make, you know, get them into the playoffs. But with the AL East the way it is, and I really think that four teams will make it for, from their division this year. Um, you know, the Tigers will be that team that, maybe surprises people, but they won't surprise me. You know, you have Candelario at third base who's in a he's in a uh a contract season, so 
he played really well last year for them, and now he has even more reason to do so this season uh, with with money on the line. Um, you have an amazing, you know, if not one of the best veterans in the league and and Miggy Cabrera who will DH now because Spencer Torkelson will come up, you know, one of their top prospects at first base. Um, The outfield is amazing with Akil Badu um, and Robbie Grossman. Uh, And then you have the addition of Javi Baez. So this is a really great lineup. And then their rotation between, um, you know, they have that guy, uh, what's his name, the lefty. I saw him pitch. I went on a baseball trip, and our first stop was in Detroit, and we were trashing this guy, and now I can't even remember his name, of course. Um, they have Matt Manning. You know, they have a couple other guys. And then in the bullpen, they have Michael Pineda, who's coming back from injury, who will either slot in in the fifth spot of the rotation or as their middle relief guy. You've got Willie Peralta, same same spot. At, you know, he's literally in the same predicament as Michael Pineda coming back from injury, either going to be the five starter or he's going to be slotted in in the bullpen. Um, Andrew Chafin and Funkhauser also uh, injured, but will be returning to the pen. Um, so they have a good overall roster. Uh, and I've got them at 84 and 78, and I guess – probably being the the first team to, you know, they'll be the team that misses the playoffs in eighth, eighth place of the, uh, of the entire uh, American league. Um, so that would leave the division winner, which would be the Chicago White Sox. Um, this is some, this is some team, man. I, you know, they went 93 and 69 last year. Um, they are missing, you know, they missed Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez for, for some time last year. So, you know, it would be nice. You know, they're definitely hoping for both of those guys to, to factor into a big year. Um, I guess Robert will play center and, and, and Eloy will play either left or DH. Um, you know, you have Yon Mankata who, in 2019 had a career season and then hasn't been hasn't been the same player the last two seasons so you know definitely relying on him at the top of the lineup um but it could be one of the best lineups in baseball if not the number one lineup in baseball uh, especially if you just talk about the top six guys in the lineup um and then rotation is great you know you have Lance Lynn uh you have Lucas Giolito um, they're going to try Michael Kopech back up as a starter. Uh, they moved him to the bullpen last year, and he did a great job in the eighth inning um, to lead up to Liam Hendricks, who outside of pitching at, against the Yankees is one of the best relievers in baseball. Um, so a really good team, good bullpen, uh, great division. Oh, great division. Uh Great lineup, and it's a good division. So, you know, I have them at 98 and 64. I think that would be a really good season for them. Um, And I'm counting on, you know, everything going right, I guess, in that scenario. You know, not much injury to the top top guys. They also have Jose Abreu, who 
uh, since coming into the league in 2014 is one of the best leagues is the one of the best hitters in the league. Um, I think that we're not just talking about the division with this team folks. I think they could be a real uh, contender this season for the world series. So uh, we'll move on to the AL West. Um, And in the AL West, we have the athletics in fifth place. Uh, I have them with a really bad record folks. I've got them at 55 and 107. Um, And I think if you look at the roster right now, like the, you know, Frankie Montes is the opening day starter. I, I highly doubt that he's on the team in, in July. Um, you know, you look at uh, Ramon Laureano, who will be suspended for the first 25 or 27 games. I think he's he must be serving the end of, of a suspension from last season. Um, you know, he could be gone. Uh, Tony Kemp and Elvis Andrews could be gone. So, you know, they'll be in last place in that division no matter what. Um, and then they'll trade away some of their, their guys, and they'll be even worse going down the stretch of the season. Um, I think the only story in Oakland is going to be how fast they get everybody out. Uh, you know, they just traded Sean Manaya to the Padres within the last couple of, of days. They also traded away Matt Olson uh, to the Braves, and they traded Matt Chapman. Um, to the Blue Jays. So fire sale in Oakland. Um, and I think the only story is how Christian Pache does. Uh, he returned to the, to the athletics in the, uh, Matt Olson deal. Um, so I've got the at 55 and 107. Uh, and I believe that would be the worst record. I think out of all the records I chose in baseball, um, so it'll be a tough year for them um, with their strategy uh, going forward, which is pay no one. Um, so that would leave fourth place, which I have as the Texas Rangers. Um, Texas is really good. You know, their their top four hitters, at least, are very good in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, who they just added in free agency. Um, I think they traded for Mitch Garver, who will catch and is one of the top four in that lineup, um, in addition to Adoli Garcia, who had an all-star season for Texas last year, and I think he played right field. So, um, you know, a very good top four, but rotation, a lot to be desired. You know, they have John Gray, but after that, not much bullpen not great so um unless the top four of that lineup really have an amazing season all four of them and you know all at the same time are hot I think it's going to be tough for them to win games um so I've got them at 75 and 87 um third place in the AL West would be the Los Angeles Angels now I'm honestly hoping that I'm wrong and that they're a little bit better or that maybe Seattle is a little bit worse than them um, because baseball fans are praying to the Lord, uh, to, you know, whatever they believe in that these angels team, this angels team is good because you just talk, you know, I don't think there's a better one, two 
than Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in terms of a lineup. I know they won't hit first and second, but you know, second and third, whatever they decide to do with that lineup, uh, that's must-watch TV. Um, I personally have ML- MLB TV, um, so you know, especially in the first few weeks of the season, I'll be box score watching um, to see if I can get an inning where you know both of them get to go up to the plate. Um, I was doing it at the beginning of last season before Mike Trout got hurt. It was a pleasure to watch, and I. You know, got to see the uh, beginning of an amazing season for Shohei, uh, especially at the plate. Um, So that, you know, I'm hoping that they are better than what I'm picking them at 88 and 74. Uh, The Shohei rule should should get Otani, you know, at bats and in close to every game. Um, You know, Trout has to stay healthy, which unfortunately he hasn't been, but I think, um, you know, you need Jared Walsh to to prove himself again this year. That last year, you know, wasn't a fluke. I think he hit like 35 home runs. Um, and then you have the two prospects out in the outfield. Uh, you know, only really one spot is open because Shohei will be the DH. So Justin Upton's going to have to going to have to play a lot of left field. Um, but they need Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh to really step up. And, you know, be a good player for them. Um, you know, they also have Anthony Rendon, who doesn't get talked about a lot in the infield. Um, and David uh, David Fletcher as well. So they have a good lineup. Um, rotation. You know, they need Noah Syndergaard to be, to be a good number two behind Shohei. Um, but I just really hope that this team is good because uh, it would be a pleasure to finally have Mike Trout in the playoffs. Um, I don't believe based on the way that I've chosen the records that I'd have them in. I think I have them behind the Boston Red Sox as the, as the last spot by one game. So hopefully I am wrong about some team, you know, maybe it's them and they win 91 games and they're in, you know, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, about the Red Sox and they're a little worse than I thought and the Angels take that spot I don't really know Um, but I really hope they make the playoffs so in second place in that division out in in the American League West I've got Seattle Um, the Mariners are a good team this year Um, and it's surprising to say you know for a lot of for a lot of my life growing up Seattle's just kind of been um you know, not, not impressive. You know, they have, they've had Felix Hernandez the most of my entire life, but he was really the only thing that was exciting about them. Um, you know, they did have Ichiro for, for a while, but you know, he's probably been gone now from Seattle for 10 years. So last year they made the, they made the playoffs, I think. And, uh, they were the exact record I have them for this year, which is 90, and uh, 72, not 73. Um, they did add a lot. Um, they added Jesse Winker from uh, Cincinnati. Um, their top prospect, Julio Rodriguez, is coming up. Um, I think they're doing that to challenge uh, Jared Kalenic to, to really hit this year because he only hit 181 last year. Um, Mitch Hanniger is going to have a great year. Um, 
and he should um he should be uh getting a, a bunch of dh at bats this year um you know we'll see we'll see how they construct this lineup but Eugenio Suarez um a great addition Adam Frazier um off of a season where he hit 300 for the Pirates and the Padres um and then the rotation they added Cy Young Robbie Ray they have a good pen so I think maybe 90 and 72 is a little bit low for them um but they will be in the the they'll be in the division with the Astros which um will lower their their chances at the division a bit and their record a little bit so I have Houston at 96 and 66 um they look really good again um it pains me to say but you know these players that were involved in the cheating scandal, I guess the only two left now are are uh, Jose Altuve and 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 Bregman. But they've really proved that they are good hitters, you know, without the the scandal and and the system. So they are relying on on a big Verlander comeback because Lance McCullers uh, went out with injury. So so he's he's out of the rotation for the first bit of the season, you know, you also have Framber Valdez and, and Jose Urquidy. So uh, a good rotation that I believe they won 97 games last year. So I have them uh, regressing by one game, but um, pretty good lineup. You know, they lose Correa, but Jeremy Pena um, is their top prospect that they'll bring up and start at shortstop from, from day one this year. Um and and I expect them to stay where they've been, you know, uh, atop the AL West and a, another contender um, for for the last series in in October. Um, so that would leave my choices for MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and then Manager. Um, so I'm going to start with Manager because I think that it's just going to be based on best record and I have the White Sox with the best record so uh that would be Tony La Russa, the manager of the um White Sox. It's an interesting match with you know the the type of team they have and you know the 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 city that they're in, you know, they're in Chicago where it's a little bit more toughness and and culture and I don't know how Tony La Russa enforces the culture in the locker room you know I, I think it's a bunch of younger guys and I, it, last year when he was you know there was some big scenes with him and Yermin Mercedes who had a great start to the year I don't know how he really fits in and you know maybe I'm giving them a few more wins than I should um, you know between that they need their whole roster to be I mean everyone needs their whole roster to be healthy the whole season but maybe I'm over uh I'm not I'm not compensating enough for the interesting dynamic of the locker room but uh we'll see how how that develops again this season uh you know it was a bit of a problem last year but they ended up going to the playoffs, you know, they did lose to the, to the, uh, I think they lost to the Astros in, in four last year in the ALDS. 
Um, so I have them improving from last year, and I have Tony Larusa as the manager of the year in the AL. Um, the rookie of the year in the AL, there's so many good choices, and I feel like I talked about basically all of them um, outside of, you know, I talked about all of them. Um, I talked about Spencer Torkelson in, in Detroit. I talked about Bobby Witt in Kansas City, Adley in Baltimore, um, Julio Rodriguez, who should start for Seattle over Kalanick. But if he doesn't, um, I'm sure it'll only be a matter of matter of time because they did bring him up to the MLB roster. So no reason to, you know, put him on the bench or anything like that. Um, but I'm going to choose Jeremy Pena of the Astros. Um, you know, usually with this, if you look back at players who have won this award, they don't really reward the guys who had great seasons on the bad teams, um, which will kind of take out Adley and, uh, you know, the other guys, Spencer Torkelson and Julio Rodriguez will be on teams that are either contending for the wild card or, or make the playoffs. Um, Bobby Witt also the same thing, you know, not going to be in the running. So I, I think that that will impact his chances a little bit, which is, is sort of dumb, but um, this kid Pena seems to be really good. Um, he came back from injury last year and played uh, and had 122 at-bats in AAA, um, and he had 10 homers in those 122 at-bats um, and a 9-4 OPS. So um, I think, you know, they need him to, to fill the shoes of Correa if they want to they want to win the division and then they want to you know go deep in the playoffs they're going to be uh, needing a good contribution from him as well as everyone else but um, I think he's a great choice I believe he is 15 to 1 to win the rookie of the year on the AL side um, wherever you put in your wagers so um, definitely a good value uh, when you consider that um you know, he's going to be on the best team of those five guys that, that will really get a chance to win this award. So uh, I'm going with Jeremy Pena of the Astros. Um, Cy Young, I have Garrett Cole. Um, 3-2-3 ERA last year. He lost to Robbie Ray, who threw to about 2-8-4. Um, and I think, you know, we paid him $36 million a year. Um the options in the AL would be like Giolito, uh, Robbie Ray again, um, and Cole, really. I think those are the top three. Um, and I think just based off of losing the Cy Young last year to Robbie Ray, also he was the face of the uh, spider attack um, allegations. And then the the game at Fenway, in the wild card game was a little tough as well. So um, I think he's going to come back motivated this year, you know, to get back to what he was in Houston, which, you know, maybe that's, that's unfair to him. Maybe he can't do that based on, you know, that he's not allowed to use that substance anymore that he, that he definitely was using um, in Houston the whole time. So, um, but I think this year, is big for the Yankees. I think he knows that. I think it's big for him because a lot of fans are expecting a 2-3 Garrett Cole, and they, he gave us 3-2, which 
once again, very good. But um, Yankees fans expect the best. And we didn't pay this guy $36 million a year to lose wildcard games. Um, we paid him to to go and, and win World Series. Um, so I have him there. And then AL MVP. Um, I think if Shohei has anywhere close to the season he had last year, he's going to win it again, um, especially if he stays healthy in terms of his arm um, and pitches the whole season. You know, it's just tough to not give it to him if he's going to pitch and hit to, you know, 275, whatever it is, and hit his 40 home runs. Um, it, it, it's tough to give it to anyone else, right? Like, you have a couple of other options in terms of, you know, either judge or stand on the Yankees. Um, you know, even though the Rangers will be a bad team, uh, either one of their middle infielders, Marcus Simeon or Corey Seager, would be a good choice. But I think once again, if Shohei has you know a healthy season on the on the uh, on the pitcher's mound, and and he hits the way he did last year, uh, he'll ha- he'll have a chance to win a lot of MVPs going forward. Um, and so I have him I have him repeating as the AL MVP. Um, so we'll get into the NL uh, now, um, starting with the NL East. Um, in fifth place of the NL East, I have the Miami Marlins. Interesting with the Marlins this year because they fired Derek Jeter, um, which I just don't understand. Um, they hired him a couple of seasons ago. And, you know, when you hire someone like Derek Jeter, you have to expect that he wants to win and he's not going to follow, you know, your plan to win in four years or whatever. Like, he wants to win immediately. Um, I think the final straw for him is he tried to sign Nick Castellanos, who ended up going in the division to the Phillies anyway, um, and they didn't didn't want to spend the money on him. And so he, he elected to uh, leave. And then, you know, for a good PR, I guess they agreed to say that they would part ways. Um, the Marlins aren't bad. They have Sandy, you know, they have a good rotation with Sandy Alcantara, uh, Trevor Rogers, who was second in the rookie of the year last year, uh, Pablo Lopez. So a, a decent top three there. Uh, Jesus Lazardo as well. Um, I believe they traded for him last year from Oakland. Um, you know, and then they just have a lot of prospects around uh, in the field. Uh, they did add Jose Sol- uh, Jorge Soler. Um, you know, they have Jazz Chisholm and, and Jesus Sanchez are two of their bigger prospects that will get a chance to play this year, um, you know, most of the season if, if they're healthy. Um, so I have them at 73 and 89. Um, in fourth is the Nationals. Not a bad rotation with Pat Corbin and, and Strasburg as your top two. Um, Josiah Gray will probably be three, and you know, I guess we'll find out a lot more about him this year. Um, not much of a bullpen outside of Doolittle. 
Um, and then the lineup, you know, you have like some guys like Josh Bell who, who could be good and, you know, go back to some, to some of his, uh, his career games or, or seasons from a couple of years ago. But really all it is is Juan Soto and, and Nelly Cruz as the DH. Um, so I have them at 76 and 86. In third is the Mets, and I know that all the Mets fans that follow, uh, if they are, you know, if there are a few of them, they'll all be angry with me on this one. Um, but I have, I only have really one reason behind picking them third, and that's that every year, you know, you can look at the Mets on paper and think they're going to be a great team, and every year something goes wrong. Um, you know, they have problems in the bullpen, closing games, just like the Yankees did. Uh, you know, Edwin Diaz did get better. He didn't blow as many last year as he did in previous seasons, uh, especially that 2019 season where he was really had a tough time. Um, no, we, you lose Jacob deGrom, which is tough. Um, but the rotation is still pretty good with Max Scherzer. Uh, Tyler McGill, who came up last year, uh, is impressing them once again in camp and, and earned his spot in the rotation, uh, especially after they lose to Grom. You know, Taiwan Walker had an amazing first half this uh, last season. He just needs to have a full season this year for them to be good. Um, but like I said, any year that you look at the Mets, you look at it on you look at it on paper, and once again, it is like that this year, where they added Starling Marte, uh, they added Mark Cana, you know, they look to be a good team, and then, you know, if you look at the other two teams in the division, like they're all pretty even with the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets, and it's going to come down to those one run games where you know, maybe the Mets don't don't hit for their for DeGrom when he comes back or you know one of someone starts blowing games out in the Mets bullpen it it happens every season um so I have them at 88 and 74 and I'm hoping you know for my Mets friends uh for their health and well-being that they make the playoffs um I'm not really sure where I have them in terms of the other teams, and I think based on how good the NL West is, uh, 88 games would probably not make the playoffs uh, because I have the Phillies in front of them as well as the, Bra- as well as the Braves um, and then the three NL West teams, and then I have two Central teams. So, yeah, 88 games would be one game back of the last wild card spot in my prediction. Um which would be horrible for Mets fans. Like, like I said, I'm not rooting against the Mets. I just am observing. And every year I observe the same thing where they look like they should be a little bit better than they end up being. Um, obviously there's a lot of hype with, a, you know, hopefully Lindor can stay on the field after last year, he missed the first five weeks of the year and then really had a tough start after that did have a good second half, but, you know, like I said, good rotate. You know, good rotation, good good team on paper. 
but a couple of these other teams in the NL are looking really good. Um, and I have the Phillies in second place at 90 and 72. Um, another great lineup. You have Reese Hoskins and Schwarby, who will probably, uh, they'll be rotating, you know, DH in first base, I think. Um, obviously, Bryce Harper, one of the best hitters in the league, probably the third best hitter in the league behind Juan Soto and, and Mike Trout. Um, you know, you have Didi and Gene Segura in the middle. Um, Alec Baum made the, made the opening day roster and another great rotation. Nola and Wheeler are the one, two. They're going to be, you know, relying on them pretty heavily to be lights out in games one and two. Um, I think Wheeler's actually going to be the four to start the season because he was battling injury and wasn't ready for opening day but he will be ready for like monday or tuesday so i think his first start is actually against the mets so he'll probably go seven innings no runs against them because he was a mets pitcher and for whatever reason that's the way it works uh he'll go against his old team and probably shove for six seven innings um i think they're gonna be good i like girardi as a manager um you know, JT Real Muto, probably the best catcher in baseball right now after Buster Posey retired. Um, so I like them this year. Uh, and I would have picked them to win the division, but my real reason for putting the Braves in second at first was because they lost Freddie Freeman. But if you look at Matt Olson's stats, like it's going to be the same stuff. Um, Ronald Acuna is hurt right now, but he'll come back at some point. Um, and they added Kenley Jansen to the bullpen. So I have the Braves at 92 and 70. Um, and if, you know, the earlier Acuna comes back, I think the only, only the, the record can go up from there. Like they, they're going to be a good team. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath of those, those three teams in the division, the Mets, the Phillies and the, the Braves, but, have the Braves coming out on top. Um, so we will move to the NL Central where I have the Pirates coming in last place there um, at 57 and 105. Not much to talk about with the Pirates here. Um, they do have Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. I think both of those guys will be the big pieces at the deadline, um, especially Reynolds. Um, so once again, I think I had a similar situation with the athletics, you know, bad record, um, to start off. And then they'll be one of the teams that is looking to fire sell and then it'll get worse. Um, so I have them at 57 and 105 and next up would be Cincinnati, um, at 68 and 94. Um, it's a good lineup. You know, they have they have Joey Votto, obviously, uh, Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India. Um, you know, they have Aristides Aquino, who could hit a couple bombs. Tyler Naquin can hit a couple bombs. Um, but the rotation's not great outside of Luis Castillo. 
who also had a terrible first half last year. Um, they did add Mike Miner and Hunter Green um, made the roster, so that should be fun. Um, kid from California who throws 100. I think he was one of the top picks in like the 2017 or 18 draft. Um, so it'll be good to see him. Um, bullpen's bad outside of Luis Sessa, which is just funny because if you told me three years ago that anyone would be ca- calling Luis Sessa good, um, I would have laughed, but he really did turn around his career um, after you know they figured out he wasn't a starter and he was better in the bullpen. Um, so I have them at 68 and 94. Um, in third, I've got the Cubbies. Uh, the Cubs, they really do have another good lineup. Like, I keep looking at all – I feel like I've been saying good lineup for, like, half of these teams, but it's true. Um, if you look at their lineup, like, I, I like Clint Frazier, even though he had an interesting uh, an interesting stint in New York. Um, Schwindel really hit well for them last season. Uh, Nico Horner will be back from injury and start the year at shortstop. So that's another good one for them. Uh, Wilson Contreras, another great hitter, uh, good defensive catcher. And he could also get stuck out there in left field if need be. Um, and they, they signed Seiya Suzuki um, from Japan's Nippon Professional Baseball League where he had 315 and 902 career games. Um, He's 27 years old and figures to start the season in right field. Um, So the outfield will be Clint, Jason Hayward, and Suzuki for for the Cubs, uh, which is pretty good. Um, They add Marcus Stroman to what is a decent pitching staff, but you always have to question what type of locker room dynamic he brings um and just based on that there's two good teams in the division i think they'd you know would be probably a 500 team if if they were in um uh, let's just say if they were in the al they go 81 and 81 but uh they do have two tough teams to to, to compete with in their division, um, the Cardinals and the Brewers. And so have them at 76 and 86. And in second place, I have the reigning division champions and the Brewers at 89 and 73. Um, they won the division last year. Like I just mentioned, uh, they did add Andrew McCutcheon to their DH. Uh, They had some problems hitting left-handed pitching last year, so they went out and got McCutcheon. They got Hunter Renfro as well with the trade with the Red Sox uh, for Jackie Bradley. Um, Christian Yelich has been more close to league average than, you know, what he was in 2018, which was uh, one of the best hitters in the league. Um, William Thomas had a great year after being traded from Tampa Bay last year. So it'll be interesting to see if he's for real or if that was just a fluke. I don't think that was a fluke though. Um, Best rotation in baseball, great top two in the pen. Uh, They're going to be reliant though on those other guys in the pen because, you know, 
they pretty much just used Josh Hader and Devin Williams in the eighth and ninth. So, you know, when Corbin Burns isn't going and, you know, they're, they're still a great rotation. I just, like I just said, number one in baseball, but they're not going to be able to go seven innings from the starter, Devin Williams, Josh Hader every game. And, and, you know, just like that, cause then they'll go, they'll win a hundred games if they can do that. Um, they're going to be reliant on Brad Boxberger, Bruce Suter, or Brent Suter, um, Jose Uranus, and then Louis Perdomo also looking to be called up um, probably by May. So they're going to be relying on those guys out of the pen to bridge the starters to the two big dogs out in the pen, Josh Hader and, and Devin Williams. And so I have them uh, one game less one game worse than they were last year at 89 and 73. Um, and that, that would bring up the Cardinals. Um, I really like the Cardinals this year. You know, looking at their roster, you add two amazing vets. Well, you add one amazing vet. One vet was already there and Yadi Molina. Um, and Albert Pujols comes home to St. Louis uh, after stints with, both Los Angeles teams, the Angels and the Dodgers. Um, you know, you already have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado at the corners. Uh, Dylan Carlson slotting in as the right fielder looks, you know, they're really relying on him, I think, to be uh, a great hitter. I think in the middle, in terms of hitting-wise, you, you know, you have Rangers middle infield with, Marcus and, and Corey Seager uh, and next in terms of hitting in the middle infield, I think you have to choose uh, Paul DeYoung and Tommy Edmond. Like I know it's maybe a little bit crazy, but um, Paul DeYoung had a terrible year last year. And I think he reworked his swing this year and will come back with some power once again and some better numbers. Tommy Edmond was stroking the baseball last year. Um, and Harrison Bader as well, uh, an underrated center fielder, you know, a very good defensive center fielder and has turned himself into a league average hitter. So I like the, uh, I like the lineup, the rotation, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Steven Matz, Miles Mikolas, Mikolas. I don't know if I said that right. Very good though. Um, and I think they'll surprise some people I've seen their, their win, over under at 83 and a half, 84 and a half. Um, I've got them at 91 and 71 uh, and winning the division in the central. So we'll move on to the best. And, you know, I saved the best for last. The best division in baseball this year is going to be the NL, the NL West, uh, just like it was last year, where you had 107 win Giants, 106 wins for the Dodgers. And, Padres came in third with like 95 wins. So um, a great, great division. And so we start at the bottom of it with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I think when the trade deadline starts to heat up, people will be looking for Zach Gallen, uh, Madison Bumgarner, depending on how he does. Um there's a couple other good guys in that rotation. Uh, they also have Ketel Marte and David Peralta. Uh, they just extended Ketel Marte, so I don't think they'll trade him, but they will trade David Peralta, I believe, in the uh, in the uh, 
trade deadline time, you know, early July, late July, whatever it is. Um, and so I have them at 63 and 99. Uh, in fourth, I've got Colorado, the Rockies. Uh, they did add Chris Bryant. And I like their their top two rotation with Herman Marquez and Kyle Freeland. They, they honestly had a decent year last year. And if you look at, you know, the lineups in this, in this division uh, and where they play, like it's tough. It's tough to have a good season. And, and both of them did last year. Um, there's a couple of exciting guys in the lineup. You know, they have Charlie Blackman, Ryan McMahon, who both great lefties, uh, Brendan Rogers, who, you know, made his debut last year and, and will be a big piece for them at second base. And then Chris Bryan as well. But, uh, just a tough division, and I've got them at 69 and 93. Um, so third third place will be a big step up from 69 and 93. Um, I've got San Diego in third. Uh, the Padres are – they added from last year. You know, they got Luke Foyt as their DH, which will be a great addition for them. Um, they traded for Sean Manaya. That will add into a good rotation with, you know, you Darvish, Blake Snell, Mike Clevenger. I had Chris Paddock on the list, but it does seem like he's going to the Twins. Um, you know, they have Ryan Weathers, who they called up last year and was was decent as like a – he wasn't really an opener, but they didn't really let him go past five innings either. Um, and he's my age. He's 22, so – or is turning 22. No, he turned 22 in December. So, yeah, he's the same age as me. Um, and he fi- he looks like he's slotting in at the fifth spot there. Um, so a good rotation, a good lineup. You know, Tatis is hurt after a motorcycle accident and won't be back until about June. Um, but I-, I-, I like this team, and I think they're going to go 95 and 67. Um in second in the West, I've got the Giants. Uh, they won 107 games last year. They were the best team in baseball um, in the regular season, at least. And then, uh, you know, the the Dodgers ended up uh, going to the to the World Series. Um, oh no, the Braves did. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, the best best regular season team in baseball last year with 107 wins. They add Carlos Rodon. From Chicago, uh, they did lose Chris Bryant. Obviously, you know, he just signed in Colorado, but they did have him at the end of last year. Um, it's a good lineup with Darren Ruff, Mike Yastrzemski, Lamonte Wade Jr., Brandon Crawford, um, and Brandon Belt, who inj- is injured in spring training, so he won't start the season on the roster. But, well, uh, you know, he he can hit the ball very well and, and makes um, – you know, he really takes advantage of, of the short porch in San Francisco and, and the Bay. Um, so I have them at 98 and 66. That's another really good rotation with Alex Wood, um, Radon. So exciting, you know, exciting for San Francisco fans that, you know, they are going to be here to stay, I think, with, you know, being at the top of the division. But, uh this is the best overall team in baseball that they'll compete with. Uh, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, 
rotation, filthy, bullpen, filthy. And then you get to the, to the lineup. Um, and it's, it's never good when you're looking at a team that isn't yours. Um, and you look and there's, there's four players who are capable of winning the MVP just on one team. Um, you have Freddie Freeman, who they added after he just won a championship in Atlanta. Um, you have a full season now of Trey Turner after they got him from the Nationals last trade deadline. Uh, you have Justin Turner, who isn't even one of the guys that I would consider in the MVP, but he'll hit, you know, he'll hit well and play third for them. You have Chris Taylor, another great utility guy who will just, you know, He'll, he'll start, he'll play 135 times this year, 140 times, but he'll play a different position. You know, he'll play, mid, you know, he'll play center. Um, he'll play the middle infield. So that's a great piece for them. Um, you have Mookie Betts who will play right or, or center, depending on, you know, what Dave Roberts decides. Uh, and then, Bellinger hasn't been good really since 2019, but I don't think that's because he's a bad, bad player. You know, maybe he just, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just in his head. I'm, I'm not really sure what's happening with him, but you know, that's four guys between Bellinger, Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner that could all win the, the uh, MVP. And so I have them at 108 and 56 which that's not even correct math. It would be 154. Um, But yeah, I have them at 108 wins. I think they're that good this year. Um, Definitely on paper, the best team in baseball. All they have to do now is go out there and play the games. Um, You know, that, that lineup, I'm not sure how they'll construct it. I, if, if I was making the lineup, I guess I would do, uh, I guess you, I don't know who you lead off of Mookie and Trey Turner, but either way, you know, I didn't even mention Max Muncy that he'll be filthy in the middle of that lineup as well. Um, So that's, that's, that's my, that's my um, NL West preview. Um, I'll go real quick through the, the awards that I have and then, uh, my World Series picks, and then you guys can be on your way, and uh, and that'll be the end of the, ep- of the episode. Um, I have the MVP as Freddie Freeman. Um, I just think that in a lineup that stacked, there's no pitching around anybody, you know, and he's used to that being in Atlanta with with Ronald Acuna and Ozzy and Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley and all those guys. So. Um, you know, he, it's a step up for him somehow after being in one of the best lineups in baseball. Now he is in the best lineup in baseball. Um, and I think he'll rake again in his hometown of Los Angeles. So I have him as the MVP. I have my Cy Young as Max Scherzer. Um, I think there's a couple of other good options there. Uh, you know, you want to look at Carlos Rodon. Uh, of of San Fran, you want to look at Corbin Burns again of Milwaukee. Uh, those would be good options, but 
I really like Max. I think in the New York uh, media and attention and the fans, I think he is going to really feed off of it and and play even better than he he has been, which uh, is pretty hard to think because he's been a top pitcher now for, for most of my life, you know, at least, at least the last decade. I know he's not that old, but, um, you know, I, I obviously in the first seven or eight years wasn't paying attention like that. Uh, even really until I was in high school, I think, was when I started to get a full grasp on the entire league. You know, I was always up on on what the Yankees were doing. Um, but yeah, he's been one of the best pitchers, I think, of our generation. And um, I have him as a Cy Young this year. Uh, the Rookie of the Year. I'm going to go with Suzuki of the Cubs. Um, There's not that many options, I think, on the NL side. Um, You have O'Neill Cruz in Pittsburgh, but he's not even starting the season on the Pittsburgh roster. Um, Bryson Stott is another one uh, in Philadelphia. He's starting the season on the roster, but I'm pretty sure he's an outfielder and the outfield for the Phillies this year is Bryce Harper and and uh, Castellanos taking up two spots. So, like, I don't see how he fits in right away. And for that reason, I just want to take someone who's starting the season on the team. Um, the only other two or three that I'd look at are the, are the pitchers, which would be Edward Cabrera of the Marlins and Sixto of the Marlins. Um, I think both of them have filthy stuff, uh, both sinker ball pitchers who could throw, you know, upwards of, of 98, 99. So um, we'll see what happens with the Marlins rotation because neither of them are even slotted in. And I think that rotation's looking good. So we'll see what the, the front office wants to do with those two guys, um, but they are listed on the odds for rookie of the year. So Vegas must think they're coming up at some point. Um, and then the only other one I'd look at is Hunter Green of the Reds because he is slotting in as the five-star there. Um, but I like Suzuki of the Cubs. I think he'll be fine in the MLB. You know, every other time that there's been a good player that comes over from – you know, either Japan or when you had Jose Abreu come from Cuba, um, they've come and raked in the MLB as well. So I think he'll be fine with the, with the major league pitching. Um, you know, he has a tough park to play in if the, the wind is blowing in, maybe not as many home runs, especially early on in the year, but as it warms up and, you know, either the wind dies down or blows out. Uh, he could hit a couple bombs. Um, and so I, I like Suzuki. Uh, they have him at plus 500 wherever you put in your your wagers. Um, and then the last one would be manager of the year, which I would choose Dave Roberts with 108 and 54 record. Um, so the World Series picks would be the Dodgers. And then on the AL side, uh, I'm going to go with the White Sox. I think that um, in terms of a complete team, I don't see one on paper 
better than them. It's really just going to be what happens when they get to the postseason because, you know, according to record, there will be, well, I have all four AL East teams under them, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong and, and Tampa comes in front of them or, or the Yankees or the Blue Jays, whoever it is that wins the division. Um, and then we'll see what happens from there, right? Like last year they got into the, to the playoffs and had to play the Astros and they went straight down three, one, um, rotations good with Lance Lynn and Giolito and Dylan C's and, and Michael, uh, Kopech. I really like it. I really like the lineup. Um, and I think this is their year to make the world series, but I ultimately have them falling to Los Angeles and the Dodgers. Uh, I don't have an amount of games, but, um, so that's my MLB preview folks. Um, and I guess with that, that would be the end of go be great episode seven. Um, just want to thank you guys for tuning in this long. I'm not really sure how long I've been going, but, um, I did have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, no, it'll be interesting to see how good of a preview that was for the MLB season. Um, you know, I think I did a decent job with my estimations on the records cause I was really looking at it and I kept putting teams with, you know, a, a little bit of a higher record. And then I was like, Oh, I have 10 out of 15 teams in the AL above 500. Like I, maybe I should try to lower that to eight. Um, and I think I got it to nine in both leagues or in definitely in the AL. I feel like I did nine and six. And then in the NL, I think I did three, five, eight. So I did eight and seven there. So um, that'll be all. Um, I will be back probably on Sunday. Um, with an or no not on Sunday it's my mother's birthday shout out mom happy birthday um we'll say Monday for now um Monday April 11th with an NBA preview of the playoffs um a slight you know a very quick I guess recap of the Masters and then if there's any big storylines going on in MLB or NFL for that matter Um, I will also cover that uh, on the next episode. Go be great. Episode eight. So that's all for episode seven. And um, thank you guys for tuning in.